Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. All right, well, here we go. Welcome to another edition. And my guest today is a longtime friend, I'm glad to call her a friend, and a colleague, Dr. Amy Doney. Now, Amy is actually a nurse practitioner and a doctor of nursing practice, and she's an international leader, well-known speaker, educator uh, in the prevention of heart attacks, strokes, and diabetes. She is the co-founder and principal instructor for the Beldonine Method, which is a method of heart attack prevention practiced by over a thousand healthcare practitioners around the world, of which my wife, Dr. Michelle, and I are too. I will tell you, this is one of the best, most intense, most awesome training sessions that we've ever been to. We still, we still practice this day in and day out. It is so repetitive now, and I credit our guest today, Dr. Doneen. So, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. They were so grateful. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Mark. I really do appreciate it. I remember when the first time we saw you and Dr. Bale instructing this, and I thought to myself, now they have passion, and I honor that passion, and I watched you do that, and I, and I saw a drive there that I don't see very much. And frankly, uh, I admire that drive. And my wife and I have spoke about this many times about you. So, Amy, let's kick this thing off. What is it that drives you to do what you do? Yeah, what drives me is that there is a way to prevent heart attacks, is a way to prevent ischemic strokes, type two diabetes. And even more importantly, when you look at the diseases of aging and you look at what do we all want? We want um, our health span to match our lifespan. You and Michelle have been talking about that forever. And so the idea of this 12-year disparity between living well and then living but not quality all has to do with the same pathology, Mark, that we're looking at with heart attack, strokes, and diabetes prevention. And that is keeping the highway system, the 30,000 miles of arteries, healthy in our body. And 20 years ago, when we started this, uh, Dr. Brad Bale and myself, we were doing it internally in a family practice and thought, this actually works. We can actually show um, that if we identify why someone has vascular disease, treat the why, monitor the inflammation, we can see the disease stabilize. So at that point, we were off to the races and passionately learning as much as we can. I, I, I learn every day and the more I learn, the more I don't know. And that's been kind of this crave to get this out there, but it's preventable. Heart attacks, ischemic strokes, and diabetes are preventable. And yet they remain the top of the list of the leading cause of death and disability in this country. And we have now, an this is something really cool a second ago. You mentioned the why. You got behind and you want to figure out why instead of just looking at, well, we've got these heart attack ischemic strokes. Let's treat this thing. Why? That was significant, wasn't it? Yeah, it is significant because first the audience needs to know that vascular disease, and we're talking about arterial disease, is an inflammatory condition both the development of plaque in the arteries and that plaque misbehaving due to some sort of inflammatory cascade where you can get a rupture through an artery and the body is designed to heal any injury. So in that healing process, you actually form a clot and wherever that clot lands, we're going to get it, give it its clinical name, whether it be a stroke, a heart attack, vision changes, dementia, end stage kidney disease, 
congestive heart failure, et cetera. So the why behind that is, is huge because standard of care, and you've been on this too, standard of care treats some things but not all things. Standard of care, if someone's had a heart attack or stroke, they're gonna look at the cholesterol, they're gonna look at the blood pressure, and if someone's exposed to nicotine, they're gonna tell them to stop. When you look at those three things, while those are important, we're missing all kinds of things like family history, our genetics, um, sleep apnea, airway issues, psychosocial, anxiety and stress, insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, genetically inherited lipid abnormalities like lipoprotein A, all of those things are the why. And if we identify them, we can treat them and see the disease stabilize over time. And we wanna stop the development of an event and we wanna stop recidivism. So if someone has had a heart attack, a stent, a bypass, we need to pause and ask why did that happen in the first place? And once that why is uncovered, we can do something about it. It's a treatable condition. That has got to encourage so many people just hearing those words because you're talking about, in part, the number one killer of all Americans for a long, long time, for over a decade. And with that said, kind of talk about what this bail donee method is, because a lot of people might not be familiar with that. And, and what is the success rate of this? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking. So it's it's hard to not give a comparison of the bail donee method to the standard of care to try to articulate what it is. So first and foremost, the standard of care is a risk factor paradigm. I and you, if we go in and ask, are we okay? Are we at risk for a heart attack? They're going to calculate a risk factor score. They're going to look at our age, our gender, our smoking status total cholesterol, HDL, and blood pressure. And based on those pool of risk factors, you're going to be either offered treatment or not. What we know is that's not good enough. So what we decided a long time ago is to say, I think we can do better. So the first thing we do is, one, we made made sort of an algorithm in a sense, and it has several different elements. The first one is education. We've got to educate ourselves and our patients what causes an atherothrombotic event? That's number one. Number two, we need to just look for disease, look for plaque. And you know, plaque is sneaky. It doesn't live in where blood flows. It's called the lumen or the opening of the artery. It doesn't live there. I've often said that atherosclerosis or plaque is much smarter, Mark, than the technology that's been historically designed to find it. So if we want to look for plaque, we need to look at it in the artery wall. So we use tools that do that. And then we look at inflammation, which is kind of the keystone to both develop that plaque in the artery wall and to have it misbehave where you get a rupture and then a blood clot. So education, disease, fire or inflammation. And then, as you said, it's the root causes and there are many of them. And we're learning that there are even more that we need to, we need to talk about. And root causes mean there's a cause and effect not just an association. So if something is driving vascular disease, if we treat it and mitigate it, the disease is getting better. Um, One root cause that a lot of people um, don't give enough merit to is oral health. We've worked really hard over the last several years demonstrating that high-risk periodontal pathogens that cause periodontal disease are also causal of arterial inflammation. 
so is an infected tooth, endodontic disease. So as I said, there's lots of root causes. And then we set optimal goals. And that doesn't always mean aggressive. It means we need to treat people to the unique, individual, beautiful person they are. And that is the N of one. What's, there's no panacea diet for any of us. We're all a little bit different and we can use genetics to help fine tune that. And that's pretty much what we do. And we monitor the disease and the inflammation, the safety over time. And, and it actually works. And we have some really exciting publications to demonstrate the success of that. So you talk about all this and this thing called plaque and that very word just sort of puts fear potentially into people. Can that be reversed? Oh, it can be stabilized and it can be reversed. And plaque is a word that's overutilized in medicine, right? If we have, uh, we need to go in for a dental cleaning, we're going to say, oh, can you clean that plaque off my teeth? And really we're talking about biofilm. If we have a lesion on our skin, a psoriatic lesion, we may say there's, there's a plaque there. When I talk about plaque and you talk about plaque in the arterial system, we're actually talking about buildup of um, cholesterol deposition, uh, looking at cholesterol breakdown and, and activity within the artery wall that builds up. Um, so plaque is a word, another fancy word for it is atherosclerosis, which sounds it's too long to even talk about. So I like using the word plaque. Yes. <laughs> so when these, this atherosclerotic activity begins in our, in our vasculature, you know, some people would say on one hand, I know the answer. I just wanted to hear them from you, an expert, some people say, well, that's just a normal part of aging. That's just the way it is. That's just, you can't do anything about that. What would you say to that statement? Yeah, I would say that having plaque in the artery wall is never normal. It's not a healthy process of aging. It just happens to be insanely common. And that's why it remains the leading cause of death and disability. And so if we take that lens of, while yes, it may be common, we've got to do something about it. And some people even say naively, they may say, well, I don't care if I have a heart attack and die at age 95. Well, that may be an okay statement, but that's not what usually happens. Mm -hmm. Usually it's the micro vessel side of this story that just robs us of quality of life. And if we understand that the same my, some arteries are no bigger than a human hair. Mm. Some are so big that we can actually take an ultrasound and look at them like three centimeters in diameter, but they're all built the same. Every one of them. There's a lumen where blood flows. There's an arterial wall that lines it called the endothelium. We've got the intima, the media, adventition, we're out of there. They're all built the same. So if we continually have this process of inflammation, we're going to block these little vessels that we don't feel until our children say, mom, you're not remembering things. Or we, we have all these micro vessel changes that claim our eyesight. It's the same process, Mark. And it's it should never be considered as normal. It is common, yes. But what people don't realize, it's preventable. And if you have it, it is reversible and it can be stabilized. And that's the most exciting thing ever. Um, and it's not, it's not like crazy 
expensive or anything like that. It just, you need to find somebody like you and Michelle who know how to identify plaque, know why it's there, monitor the inflammation and treat people. And, and people, 90% of it is lifestyle, but people need individual guidance on that. It's amazing. And we have seen the results, um, phenomenal results from literally everybody. I mean, it's hundred percent success. I mean, I can vouch for what um, folks, what, um, Amy's saying here, and it seems like this ought to be kind of the standard of care everywhere at this point. So I've got to ask you, and I, I think this is the burning question. If this is so successful, is it accepted in our country and around the world? Yeah. Million dollar question, right? Um, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but in the world of medicine, there's about a 20 year lag time behind good published science and application into standard of care. Standard of care is a legal term, right? So so it basically says you should keep someone's blood pressure X um, at such a level, but that may not be optimal for that person based on the science that's been published. So all I will tell you is the, the information that we are talking about and that we practice is very accepted in the scientific world both in cardiology, in family practice, internal medicine, functional medicine, the data is there. It's not an opinion. It's not an anecdotal remedy. Um, But because it's not part of standard of care, it's not routinely absorbed. And here's where there's a failure and a breakdown. Some way, somehow, in the medical public and in the general public, insurance companies have become the default scientific filter of what has merit and what doesn't. And the reality is science should guide that decision process. So all we are doing is applying the science, which is dynamic, and we're learning the importance of of this uh, profile. As far as identifying plaque in the artery wall and monitoring it, we use the carotids just because they're so easy to get to, to be honest. Right, right. It's cost effective, no exposure to radiation. And we are not the only um, educational body that's doing it now. Um, In the world of cardiology, they've now just published a few weeks ago that if you simply, Mark, get this, in in over 100,000 patients, Mm -hmm. if you simply just halt, or not even halt, slow the progression of plaque and inflammation, slow the progression of arterial wall change, you reduce heart attack risk by 9%. That's not even saying if you halt it and regress it in the other direction. Wow. Think about a snowball going down a hill for those of us who live in snow. Um, As a snowball goes down the hill, it's going to gain girth and it's going to change gain velocity, right? So Mm -hmm. to simply halt it is success. To slow it is success. But what we've proven with our data, both with Texas Tech and Johns Hopkins, is with the proper assessment of the root causes and monitoring inflammation, you can not only halt that snowball, but see it go back up the mountain, which is a really good thing. Because these patients that come to me, some of them have had recidivistic events for the last 10 years, they come in with 11 stents, they come in with bypass plus six stents. And the question is why? Maybe the why has never been evaluated. Well, it doesn't seem that way. I mean, you've had some, I heard some amazing stories when we were in your course on that weekend that goes down in history in our lives, of course, 
But talk about this. I mean, can you share a, a testimony or two from either a clinician or from maybe a patient that you've dealt with? Yeah, um, I think it'll be more impactful to to hear sort of a patient story because that's what it's all about. Um, that's what it's all about. And I'm a clinician, um, see patients every day. Um, and, and I'm very honored and humbled to do so. So I think it'd be best if I share a couple patient stories. Mm-hmm. Please. Uh, we have, uh, I'm going to tell you two stories. One is a story that it's a woman that is just amazing. Her name is Camille and she's in our book called beat the heart attack gene. We told this science through patient stories. So it was absorbable and I'll give Camille. And then I'm going to give a, a new patient who I don't think I've introduced you to yet, but Camille is someone who at the age of 42, went in to have a physical and she was feeling kind of anxious and she went in for her physical and kind of felt tight tightness, but, but it was healthy as far as she knew. She went in and this doctor in this fancy coat sat down and calculated this risk factor. And he said, Camille, I have some good news for you. You have a less than 1% chance in the next 10 years of having a heart attack. And she said, excellent. And he Mm. said, need to lose some weight and you need to work on your anxiety. She said, okay, I've been trying, but okay, I'll try harder. So she leaves the office and that 1% keeps going through her head. Then a week or so later, she's at the office and she's feeling this pain, this crushing pain. Um, She can't go up the stairs because of short list of breath. And this little voice in her head said, well, it can't be a heart attack. It can't be. I have less than 1%. What are the odds? I never win anything. Mm -hmm. A 99% chance of not having a heart attack. So she second-guessed herself so long um, that that she finally got into the ER. And you know what? They even made her wait in the waiting room because her symptoms weren't classic. And women don't have classic symptoms, as we know. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, Camille was taken back. She woke up after being in the cath lab and was told, you had a heart attack. And you know what, Camille? Next time it happens... You need to get in here sooner. And she said, I don't want to happen again. And fortunately, she's been under our care now for over 10 years. And she's had no recidivistic event. I'm so proud of her. So proud. Yay. Yay. That's awesome. It is awesome. And then the other patient I'll tell you about is somebody that really touched me. And and he came to me um, feeling hopeless. I mean, really hopeless. He had over pretty much every artery in his body was stented. He had 16 stents in his heart. He was bypassed. His kidneys were stented. His femoral arteries to the legs were stented. And he was hopeless. He said, nobody can help me. No one can help me. And he was only 50 years old. Whoa, whoa. So by looking at his like laying the cards on the table, there were so many things, simple things that weren't addressed periodontal disease, unidentified and untreated sleep apnea, insulin resistance that had led to type two diabetes, um, genetically inherited lipid abnormalities. And by treating these things, we've now been working together for over a year and I'm already seeing his plaque stabilize, his inflammation come down. And for the first time, I think in 15 years, he has hope. And it's a journey. He's not out of the woods and it it's a, we see each other every 90 days and sit down and think, what, what do we need to do now? How can we do this better? Um, because I want to honor his wishes. His, I always ask patients when I have the chance to meet them for the first time, I say, what is your goal of optimal health? Like, what does it mean to you? Because Mark, some people say, oh, I'm healthy if I never take a medicine. That means I'm healthy. 
like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Some people say, I want to climb Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. This particular patient I'm telling you about was much more humble. He said, I want to, I want to walk on the beach with my kids. I haven't been able to do that. I want to, um, I want to go swimming. I want to, I want to be present. Mm -hmm. I want to see my children graduate high school. Mm. So the humility um, of that just, we've got to do better as a society in medicine to help these people. And we can. You know, you mentioned a couple of things. Those are just amazing stories. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm about to cry because it makes me want to tear up when I hear those stories. Because when you have the opportunity, based upon your giftings and talents that's God-given, to give people hope to give them a window of something that gets them to hang on. There's no greater thrill than that. And it hits you right there. You know, now you mentioned um, this concept of periodontal disease. You know, a lot of people don't understand the connection between periodontal disease and heart disease. How common is periodontal disease and briefly explain the connection. Sure. So, it's extremely common. Um, 50% of people over age 50 have some form of, some form rather of periodontal disease. 70% of patients over 70 have some form of periodontal disease. I think I actually said that wrong. 50% of people over 30 have some form of periodontal disease. 70% of people over 50 have some form of periodontal disease. Um, back in 2012, the American Heart Association and the American Association of Periodontal Health made a joint statement, and they said that there is an association between what goes on in the mouth and the heart. But what they failed to do is state causality. If you don't have a causal statement, it gives permission for the dental community and the medical community to be a bit apathetic and not demand that they talk to one another. So in 2017, Dr. Brad Bale and I um, and Dr. Dave Vigorous published a paper um, and we used a model called the atherogenic triad and we looked at the type of periodontal pathogens. There's several that live in our mouth, Mm -hmm. but just like we learned that a bacteria causes stomach ulcers, Mm -hmm. we also know that there's bacteria that are particularly dangerous that can live in our mouth. Um, And there's five of them actually, AAPG, TFTD, and FN. And those five bad boys can affect plaque development and actually plaque um, rupture. And so with that then, we have been honored to finally say that high-risk periodontal pathogens are associated, I mean, I'm sorry, are causal of atherosclerosis and are causal of heart attacks. And so we've been really passionate to build bridges between our dental colleagues and in the medical side. They've got to talk in any prevention program. If you don't have a dental component with it, that disease is going to continue to smolder on. It's critically important and huge props to our dental community, our hygienists and our dentists, because they are saving lives every day and they don't get enough credit. Yeah, I'll never forget the day. And this has been a few years back. We'd been to your course and uh, uh, I'm sitting in my office one day and I get a, a message that there's a dentist that wants to come and see us. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they want to become patients. I didn't have any idea because we couldn't find the functional dentist around anywhere, but in our area and, and we're in Oklahoma. And sure enough, the next day in comes an area dentist who had just been to yours and Dr. Bale's course and said, Hey, I found you guys. 
and I wanted to come and talk to you. And so from then on, we've had this uh, dynamic relationship that's been just fascinating. And I know it's hard to say again, you looking at this, how many things can be prevented? I don't know. But yeah. ultimately, as long as people are alive, that's that's that thing called hope. And it just drives you on, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to know that something's preventable and to like see it continue is, is man, it just fuels your fire. I mean, people deserve to live well and be happy and healthy. They do. And we talk all the time about, uh, you know, increasing lifespan, decreasing six span. And, and really we're seeing that interesting dynamic of in the world, it seems like six bands increasing and now lifespan is also decreasing with that, which is unfortunate. You do a lot of things, you know, um, we, both my wife and I admire your tenacity, your persistence, and most of all, your consistency. What are you working on next? What's your next uh, big adventure for Dr. Amy Donine? Oh, well, um, we are writing a second book, I'm happy to tell you. And and it was purchased by Little Brown, um, which is very exciting to us. It's one of the oldest, it is the oldest publishing house in, in the U.S. And the book, Mark, is going to be focused on the bail donating method, but through the lens on microvascular systemic health mm-hmm. to address that exactly what you talked about. How do we improve our health span to match our lifespan? And what we've learned over the last 20 years to protect the larger arteries around the heart, the aorta, the carotids are also effective, as I said earlier, to prevent the diseases of aging that claim our independence. So we really want to empower people to know that, I mean, it should be a good life. We should be able to open our own door. We should be able to drive our own car. We should, And unless we protect the little hair-like capillaries and, and arteries in our body, that's going to be compromised, but it doesn't have to be that way. It absolutely doesn't have to be that way. So I'm very excited about that. Um, we, we are going to finish the manuscript February of 2021, and then Little Brown wants a year of publication. So it'll be formally, formally released in February of 2022. I cannot wait. And I've got book number one, Beating the Heart Attack Gene. Where's the best place people can go to get that book? And I recommend that. So listen, I'm going to stop. I want you to get the book. If you have any interest at all, which this is everybody, listen, make sure you get this book, read it, put it in your library, not just in the library in your house or in your study, but put it in the library of your brain and your heart, because it will make a huge difference in your life. Where is the best place that people can get that book? Oh, thank you. Um, Amazon, just go to Amazon and you can put in my name, Amy Doneen, Brad Bale, or just the title of the book, Beat the Heart Attack Gene. And one thing I want your listeners to know and, and viewers, it is written for the public. It's not a book written for the, the medical. Now, the medical team and the dental teams um, and functional medicine and everyone involved is is empowered by the book and we all come at it with different expertise but the book itself is written for the public Um, and in there we have references at the back for every chapter so if there's something in there that you want your doctor or medical provider um, to get then you've got the resources in there to kind of back you up and say this is why I want it but don't be afraid of the name beat the heart attack gene it's for the public and we will um, put that link in the feed. So and oh, you finish listening to this, put it right, look right down below and you'll find the link. Click on that. And it'll take you right to that as well. 
you know, you, I can't wait for book number two. I'm going to be the first one on that list. So I'll be looking for that. Do you have a working title yet on that by chance? No, we don't. We've gone back and forth, but no, I'm not even hiding anything. We just don't have a title yet. Got it. So, you know, how can people that are out here connect with you, connect with um, your establishment, your training, your teaching, and maybe even if they want to become a patient, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way is just go to our website, um, baledonine.com, pretty easy, B-A-L-E, donine.com. And in there, there's sort of a patient side, there's a provider side. And I have a different website for my clinic, which you can find through that site as well. But the Bale Donine uh, website will be the best um, uh, inclusive site to get and navigate through different information. And if you're a clinician on this particular broadcast and you're hearing this or seeing this the first time, I highly recommend you go get the preceptorship training in the Belladonine Method. Uh, it was uh, not only enlightening, but it was they, the, the teaching was outstanding. So, you know, you guys, you and uh, uh, Brad Bell do an outstanding job just being down to earth and, and talking about things in a clear, uh, unbiased, you know, just straightforward manner, not pulling any punches. And it was great. Um, th- there's people out there right now. Because the heart attack, stroke, that whole thing, being the number one killer of so many people, stealing lives, stealing lives, stealing time, it take is taking away this thing called togetherness. I think it. We've been really looking back on 2020. Now we really have a different perspective of this thing called time, this thing called life. So perhaps, as we look forward in the upcoming years. There's people out there that have either had cardiovascular events or probably are heading that way and have been told whether they're they're a high risk, they see it, they know, they just don't know what to do. They're looking for hope. What are you going to tell them, Amy Doneen? Get educated um, and empower your knowledge. I I think to me, the most important element to all of this, and that's why we made that the first keystone of our method is education. So if, if you have a family member or you personally has have been hit with cardiovascular disease, get educated. And, and this may sound biased and I don't mean it to be, but get our book, Beat the Heart Attack Gene, and there are others, but just start absorbing the fact that you can be hopeful. You can find your root causes. Um, you can treat those and you can live a long and healthy life, but education is number one. Get educated. Um, I, I would say start there. And I just want to tag on something before we drop that. You know, when you talk about heart attack gene, we're not saying the genes cause a heart attack. We're saying that there there is a higher association with the gene. That gene is APOE4 you're talking about, right? Well, there's, there's several. Yeah. There's APOE gene. There's something called 9P21, KIF6. Um, uh, there's, there's other lifestyle ones like haptoglobin, but the genes help us understand two things clinically. One, what is our lifetime risk for certain disease states like aneurysm risk or heart disease development risk? And with that, we can use that knowledge to independently make choices on, on how often we want to do an ab- abdominal screen, etc. cetera. Um, but but that just places at an increased risk above average. The second reason we like to use genetics is pharmacodynamics and lifestyle. How do we guide 
telling someone, should they have, you know, fats, carbohydrates, proteins, alcohol, they just want to exercise. What about gluten? All those are genetically guided. So the, um, sort of the subjectivity is out of the picture, which is nice because everything seems good when you read it in isolation, but how <laughs> your body responds to it is everything. And then, um, and then pharmacogenetically, when, if we have to use medications, which often we do because we're dealing with people sometimes after they have disease or arterial wall disease. And, but we want to use the least amount of medicine possible. And we want to use the one that has the least chance of side effects. So looking at pharmacodynamics um, through different enzyme pathways to be able to predict tolerance, safety of medications is so empowering. We don't have to guess anymore. And these are not expensive at all. They're, they're you know, a, a bypass to put it in perspective. I think the going rate now is around $50,000, if not upwards of 75,000. These tests we're talking about are $20, um, at most $300. They're not expensive tests and genetics marker one and done. They're not yeah. going to. So you do them and you know. Well, I love that. This is so rich and so good and so just awesome for people. And I really hope our viewers and listeners take advantage of the information and listen to this over and over again. We're going to put the book, Beating the Heart of Protect Gene, the link right below. We'll also put the link to your website as well so people can zone right in there. You don't have to hunt for it anymore. Um, Amy, wow. I, I just, uh, we are grateful that you're a friend of ours. And uh, that's the most important thing. There's value in friendship. And I'm really honored that you would uh, join us today and you would share your knowledge with all of our listeners. So really, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I'm very honored. And I want to thank you and Michelle for the tireless work you guys do on education and the work that you do in your clinical practice. Bow down your superior knowledge. <laughs> we are in this together, man. We're in this together. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we should do this again, and we get in that second book and find it. We just dive in and do it again, and find out what's happening next in the world of Amy Doni and all the exciting stuff. So, um, boy, that was great, folks. Listen, just seriously, connect, read, put it all in perspective, and put it all introspective. Get it, own it, get education. You heard it right there from the expert. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Healthcare's Missing Link. Bye for now.